new on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Okay, dokie. Ready We're back. to rock and roll. Look at the change. shirt. Collar collar, and button-up shirt. Oh Look at me, gosh. eh? Where are you going today? Do you got court? What's going on? I don't have hey. court. I did I did get an interesting letter from a lawyer this morning, though. You're going to go to the city hall? I am not going to city hall today. Oh, I'm sure. actually not going anywhere. I just figured, Your hair you looks know great. Yeah I, yeah, I feel good today. I feel yeah. good today. Felt like, uh, you know, looking a little more professional. Absolutely. Maybe maybe I will feel like less of a clown to some of our viewers if I look more the part of an I'm, expert. I'm hoping that I, I'm as big of a clown as ever. I'll tell you. I like to have fun. I am not an expert, TK. I am not an expert at anything, and nobody should ever listen to me about anything. Here's the thing, though, Daryl. The topic that we talk about, guess who the experts are? I know. Well, this is an Nobody's issue. the expert. <laughs> if well, all these economists were experts, then why aren't they? First of all, if you have the title of being an economist, it means you have a job as an economist. Why aren't you some like wealthy business magnate with stocks and real estate portfolios? Right? Yeah. Right. The reason you're there is because you need a job and it's you because need a job. you haven't predicted the market so well in your lifetime, have you? So again, nobody's an expert, like real no. estate agents, lawyers, economists, bankers, you name it. They all, they all have ideas. They all have got their theories, but uh, we're just here to. We're talk, just hang, here to talk, talk about real estate from fun, our perspectives, that's all, right? That's all I'm doing the show for. So I'm, I'm happy to be here with you today, Daryl. we got a great guest. Well, because we have such a wonderful guest and we are already starting late, we shouldn't leave them in there for too long. Let's so go. we would like to welcome to the show, Mr. This episode is brought to you by Landlord. This landlord software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You'll upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and, and tax bills and everything else, they're gonna actually give you recommendations on how to make your portfolio more efficient. And it just breaks everything down for me in a way that I've never seen before. Like Excel spreadsheets just don't cut it. I don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors and it's free. Please click the link below for your free trial offer. Tom Story! I did it. Oh, Greatest my intro God. of all time. <laughs> I thought there was something wrong with my internet. 
I Did thought you it think was I was frozen? High pitched yeah, sound. Yeah. It was just like, oh my gosh. Old yeah, old man. school like dial in internet just went bananas. There's a, there's a storm coming. How you guys doing? We are. I'm Great. doing well. I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Great day. I'm good. Toronto weather. Oh, honored to be back under the new branding of the show. First time it- on since since Canadian real estate show. So. Oh wow. Oh, we're gonna introduce you then to our yeah. guests and and our and our listeners. Well, Tom's since. Story. Since Local Toronto real estate hero, okay, but lots of knowledge about the Canadian real estate market. So if you are tuning in from coast to coast, Tom Story's got his own YouTube channel. He's got his own YouTube or his own real estate business and yeah. uh, well worth checking out. Absolutely. By the way, you guys inspired me. I launched a podcast last week. So, hey. Done, I'll, sir. Oh, I'll, no. If we're inspiring and, people like. And he's got a podcast. Check out his podcast. <laughs> Check out his new podcast. What's the awesome. so? What are your ideas? Let's talk about that quickly. What's your What's your ideas on the podcast? How What's your mindset for it? You know, I I recognize that I kind of have two audiences when I put out content. It's It's the consumer thinking about buying and selling real estate in Toronto, or I have a lot of the real estate community following me as well. So I wanted to kind of make a podcast that would speak to both of them. So it's called the Tom Story Show. Very original. Um, I'm hosting it with. Uh, my buddy, Steve uh, Karish, you guys should have on, by the way. He's booked. Um, he's booked. He's booked. Okay. Yeah, we're booked. Ho- hosting with him. Uh, we put out the first one last week. It's audio and, and video, just like you guys. We're recording number two tomorrow. And it's just going to be kind of relaxed like this. Like talk about the market, have guests on, see what's going on in different marketplaces and, and go from there. Uh, that's uh, awesome. You can make awesome. your royalty checks out to the Canadian Real Estate Show, Inc. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, just let we'll, us get incorporated first, okay? That's right. We <laughs> we we accept uh, Mexican pesos over Canadian dollars these days. What is going on in the world, Tom? Story is this? I mean, you are a little bit younger than I am, but sure. I mean, I I have been unfortunate slash fortunate enough to have been decimated by one of these downturns in the market. A gentleman of your age would not have been. What, what is it like from, from that perspective? Like, Yeah. So, I mean, I've been selling real estate for nine years now, and I've had two times where, where for a significant period of time, prices dropped every month leading up to this, right? So 2017 after fair housing, um, but that didn't really affect condos in downtown. It really affected like the outer markets, um, but we had some clients stuck in that as well. So we dealt with that. And then 2020, when the pandemic hit, doing a lot of downtown condos, that market went down like seven months in a row. So that was at least my most recent experience with it. Um, it's okay. It's just like, you know, it's a, it's a percentage of listings selling is way lower. And I actually don't think new listings coming to the market is going to be what pushes up inventory here. It's going to be rollover listings from the previous month. Um, but real estate agents are going to have to very quickly figure out how to go from being an order taker to a salesperson. And I say that it, you can't like just that. agree with everything your client says. You, you have to really break down the numbers, show them what's going on, give them advice that might not be fun. Because I remember in 2020, every week, I felt like I was just delivering bad news. I'm like, hey, this one sold or this one didn't sell. This is what we need to do. So um, there's going to be a little pain for the next few months. And I think things might even out in terms of what we actually understand value by September, but June to the end of August, I think is going to be that transition zone. 
Right. And so, okay, so you, th this is a good segue because we have so many realtors right now in yeah. the area, in the province, in the country. Uh, we have more and more being produced regularly. On this meeting, on this podcast. Right. But we have yep. like my daughter's taking one of her exams for, for, for her realtor license. Like there's just more and more coming. And as you know, your nine years for the most part have been a fairly bullish run. And a lot yes. of people have yep. thought, you know, um, what an easy way to make money. Right. And then I got to tell you, like helping my daughter study for these exams. It's no wonder all not all sorry. Many, 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 many of the realtors out there suck horribly. Yep. Yep. Right. And and so if we have all these realtors that suck horribly and a falling market and all these uneducated people that are being relied upon for advice, like how is this going to play out? Because people may be lucky they might get tk they might get you they might get some of our other friends that we that we know of but like yeah. if they don't you know when market shift what i experienced in 2020 i had so many people reach out to me that i didn't know personally that said hey um i know six realtors my cousin's a realtor but like i need someone that knows what's going on so i think <laughs> the consumer because because the reality is if you got a listing in the last two years your chances of selling it were like 90 percent and now your chances of selling it over the next That's three generous. months. You're being generous. Yeah. It was, it was 99%. Yeah. I was going to say, what the hell did you have to do to not sell something? <laughs> exactly. It was kind of like, oh, I got the listing. I have a sale, which was what it was. Now it's going to be with inventory levels pushing closer to three. Simple math, one out of three properties that list sell every month. So now 33% of properties are going to sell. So it's not just getting the listing and winning over the client and, and you know getting business. It's now doing your job and negotiating and doing your job wow. and conditions are going to show up. And, you know, I got to tell you something, a funny story. So at the end of March, I did a public speaking engagement at a, it was in person. It was really cool. It was a real estate conference in Mississauga and there was 800 people in the room, give or take. And I had about 30 minutes on stage and I was going over the market and how things were. And I said, put up your hand in the last two years, if you've had the best year of your real estate career in the last two years <laughs> and the entire room just went. I love it. And I said, okay, who's going to have a better year this year? And I will say like 80% of people were confident and kept their hand up. And I just showed them the math. Like in 2021, there was 25,000 more sales that happened on the Toronto real estate board than in 2020. And mm -hmm. that means there was 50,000 more opportunities buy and sell on each transaction. Right? So the pie was big. And everyone was eating well because it was big. I think this year, I th we ended, I believe, 2021 with like 125,000 sales. I think this year we might hit 90,000, maybe. Well, and those sales, not only was there a ton of actual uh, transactions, but the amounts of those sales got inflated like crazy over the last couple of mm -hmm. years. Right? Exactly. You're going to have like maybe a 20% in increase in dollar volume too. Right, right, right. On top of the, so now you got 25% hit on units and then yep. you got another 10, 20% on dollar volume, right? So significant income is uh, coming out of the waters here. Yeah. I, I mean, I really think the people that got by the last two years on just a little bit of luck or knowing a few people that trusted them are going to, are going to find it very, very difficult for the next little bit. But I do think the people that focus on education and focus on 
being transparent with their clients and doing it the right way are actually going to take over more market share than ever before. But, but what the industry needs to become a lot better at is setting correct expectations because Mm -hmm. these next three months, every seller wants a February price, which does not exist. And every buyer wants to wait, right? Why wouldn't they? Like, I think for the first time in a long time for someone to say to me, listen, I'm going to hang tight here, see how it plays out. I might be able to get something cheaper. I think they're going to be right at least until the end of August. So, mm-hmm. so, so you, I, I'm sure are the same. I mean, everybody we've talked to has a group of people, whether they're purchasers for themselves or investors that are just sitting on the sidelines with like a hoard of cash waiting to pounce. Do, do you have that similar scenario? Yeah, we have a lot. I mean, I'm doing it. I've got one of my condos up for sale right now. I'm going to get my money out of that and then buy a house this summer because doing that now, I'm going to be net ahead if I had done that in February, even if I sold my condo for more because the detached is down like 150 grand on average in Toronto, where condos are only down like 30 grand from the peak. This is uh, your place where you live? Like you want to move into a house? No, I, uh, well, I live in a townhouse right now, Freehold Town. This is a condo that I own that I used to live in, but I have rented out. Yeah, I've okay. got that on the market. I'm, but I bought that in like 2015. So I, it's, I've done very well on that. I'm going to take that plus what I've saved and, and buy like the, the house, you know, like the 10 year house. And rent the townhouse or sell the townhouse? I don't know yet. I just had it appraised for the mortgage approval. So I might sell the townhouse, to put, <laughs> put more into it. Just depends on like what, what, I, what I want my payment to be on the next house. Right. That's so great that you said that. I was in a conversation yesterday where people were like, what is a reasonable price, like an affordable price? And I was like, I don't even know if price is the main driver anymore. It's really just about that, that monthly, right? Yeah, you're, you're buying a monthly payment. You're not buying a purchase price. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's really it. And, uh, and the banks yeah, look I at mean, it that way too. They look at yeah. your monthly income. They look at your gross debt service. They say, okay, what can you afford? Yeah. Right. That's they're not, they're not and it's not it easy to get a mortgage. Like no. I'm going through it right now. And like, I think I've got some good things in order here. What about the YouTube revenue? Are they using the YouTube revenue? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is this going to qualify you? For it, seriously? Like we, right? TK, TK went with it alongside me uh, yeah. when I was trying to get a mortgage and when you own your own business, right? Yeah. It, it really screws up getting a mortgage. And, and realtors finally were allowed to incorporate um, and, and yeah, end of 2020, which I did and then paid myself, mortgage, yeah. paid myself a smaller personal salary last year, which is not helping me right now on the mortgage side of things, right? Right, yeah. right. Um, so yeah. And they don't think, count your assets for anything. They don't give a shit about your assets. No, it just hurts you because most of my assets is real estate and that's just more debt, right? right. That's the way they look at it. Right. Sco- right. Scotiabank, side, side note, Scotiabank, um, looked at my NOAs from uh, sole proprietorship in 2000. What are we at? We're in 2020, 2019 and 20. Okay. Because 2021, right? The NOAs hadn't quite got there yet. Now, now they have, right? So right. I don't know if the banks are starting to look at, they want to see your 2021 NOA or not. But yeah, um, I've yeah. sent over everything. Like what they ask for is, I've given them everything that I, you could ever know about me, and I'm still waiting. Are you yeah. stuck what dealing with home this. trust? So they, they, they look at they look at the level change. No. So if your income went up, 
then yeah. they'll say, okay, we'll use the average. But if it went down, oh, yeah. they're going to use the lower number. The lower number. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like, Hey, wait a second. This is going down. You were here. Now you're here. We want to, we want to use the number that we feel comfortable with. And even like I got this townhouse appraised, it came in at um, 1.3, the appraisal on, on the value on this place. And the, they said the, the rental market, you know, the estimate was 3,700 if I rented out this place. Wow. Um, but they really, but they only count 50% of that rent towards everything. So it's like, yeah. I had always thought like, okay, if I'm building my real estate portfolio, I don't want to just sell. I want to build this. This is my retirement plan. And I don't want to buy that one house. I want to spread out into, you know, be more leverage, which has worked really well up to this point. But now it's like, okay, because I got a college, because I had this, it's not going to be easy. Yes. No matter what you have down. It's yeah. very, very... Well, so getting, I mean, 50% down makes a difference. Here, here's some buyer um, sentiment uh, for you guys. So this week I got an offer on a place. And in the, in the agreement, the clause says like, if there's another offer that's registered or, or submitted by another buyer to the sellers, we're backing out. We don't want anything to do with this. We deregister and our offer is null and void because we don't want anything to do with this. Right. So I'm like, okay, like again, there's do no that? other offers, right? There's no other offers. Right. Oh. So we, we did a sign back and then um, I went to somebody this morning and said, Hey, you know, you got this appointment book later today. And I just want to let you know, we've got a sign back and this is what's happening. So I wanted to keep you informed. Let me know. He goes, Oh, there's an offer on sign back. I said, yeah, I said, you know, it's signed back. And right now nothing's for sure. So go show it. Let me know. Oh, we're canceling. If there's an offer on sign back, we don't, we even want to go to a property that has any offers whatsoever. And I was just like, okay, I just, I'm telling you right now, if there's no guarantees, your appointment's confirmed. Let right. me know. And then he canceled. Like it was like, oh. it's, 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 isn't that strange? Think about that. Three months ago, buyers are like, oh, there's an offer. It's like, would they take 400,000 over? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Tell me, give me it's, some insight, TK. Tell yeah. me, I'll get, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll do something for you. You know, you I got to, to buy a realtor a a car? with me to the showing. Yeah. Are you allowed to buy another realtor a car as an incentive? Part of the co-op commission, I guess the seller is allowed That's to a offer them whatever question. they want. I, I don't right? know. My it's daughter asked me that. We were... Builders do that, right? Builders do that all the time for real. Yeah, they give incentives. incentives. I think you yeah. just have to be like, it has to be. You have to be open about it and the fact that it's happening, right? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I buy guys dinner when I do a deal with guys that are tough. I I take him out for dinner or lunch. I remember this lady. Her name was. I'll show her out. I think her name was Celia Wu. And about 10 years ago, I sold a condo and she's like, we're going out for lobster dinner because it was like on the third floor and been on the market for months. And I always remember how special that made me feel. So now yeah. any tough deals, I'm saying, where do you want to go for lunch? Let's go. Well, you know what I think is going to be interesting now too is, is we all know that there's a small percentage of realtors or teams that do a lot of the business in, in any other marketplace. You're dealing with the same people all the time. And I think where the market's at now it's not just okay if you get a few offers on a property if you're even lucky enough to be in that position it's not necessarily just who's the best offer because you're seeing conditions thrown in you're seeing financing it's who's the other realtor that i trust the most that did their due diligence with this client to get them to this position and who's going to close on this right because yeah. Yeah. it's disastrous so right now to get tied up for two weeks three four weeks and then get dropped and now you're in a different market potentially right or go firm and it's two three months later and they haven't sold their property oh yes. yeah which oh. there's going to be some people right now that bought in february march that are stuck in that that zone and they're going to have to just sell um yeah i i had actually uh, I feel like we always talk about our wins. So I'll talk about a loss because I think this is interesting. 
I had a listing for the first time in four years that we were not, we pretty much were selling everything we listed. I got her five offers in two weeks, wouldn't take any of them. Um, I'll leave like numbers out of it, but basically I said, listen, I don't know what else I can do. The market is shifting here. This was even before the last rate hike. I think we should just part ways. I wish you luck. All good. Relisted with somebody else, tried a different strategy. The top offer that I had gotten her that was firm was $60,000 higher than what she's currently been sitting on the market at for three weeks. Offers anytime. So that's it. It's that zone where it's like, we don't really know what things are worth, but but if you're a seller right now and you get something decent, try to make it work because I don't think you're going to get a better price in the next three months. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, it makes I think, sense. Tom, because of your position and what you said earlier is now that the market's changing, people are going to be coming to guys like you who are the top producers, who know the area, who've got the systems. You may have to break that record. There might be a few more listings that you take on that don't end up yes. selling, right? Because you're going to be getting those type of people now who are, you know, unrealistic in a sense. And maybe they, they say one thing, but then, you know, later on they divulge more information and they tell you, you know what, I'm really not that motivated. Right. I got other options and that's the market we're in. There's going to be times where people take listings that they don't sell. So how do you make that decision as a realtor when you know you're wasting your time on a listing, but like, there's not much else going on. Is it like, I'm just going to take a shot at it because I don't want that guy to have the listing. I can tell you it's, it's the motivation of the seller. We have to remember in, in our business that we get to choose who we work with too. I know it's so much been like, we, we go find business and we'll take anything and whatever. But when markets shift, you can have a very, very bad year. You can be underwater if you take on a bunch of properties that cost you a lot of money every month that don't sell. And okay. I think if the, if the underlying motivation of the seller is there and you're on the same page and you've given them all the data and they understand it, even if it's slightly higher, you should probably take it. But if there's zero motivation, this is not the market the next three months to try and test what my, what my house is worth. Um, and I'm and I'm and I'm open about this. You know, like I, I work with uh, Frank Leo, so we're a big team, obviously. Yep. We have 126 listings right now on Realtor.ca. When I looked up his name, right? They're not all going to sell. I can no. promise you that. That there's a few out there right now that are you know people came on the market at the wrong time. They missed the boat. There's different situations. Uh, inventory is piling up and, and I'm, and I'm sitting there going like, when is that going to stop? When are, when are we going to basically say, Hey, you, you gotta be very choosy as to who you're work with. And I'm trying my best right now to, to weed out those people, Daryl. I mean, it's, it's reality. You know, well, I can't, I can't, I, I, I take away my time from the people who actually want to sell yeah. by going and trying to service somebody right. who just really has no real clarity on the market. Right. So there's 126 listings that you guys have. And like, what what is the strategy in the background? Is it like, we're going to take these and hopefully in the time that we have the listing, they're going to get realistic or we're going to get an offer that maybe we can. Like Tom said, depends on the motivation and all that kind of stuff too. Like there there will be some that don't sell and there'll be others that, you know, end up doing fantastic because they were the right properties. And then there'll be others that take time. There's price reductions, all the scenarios you can think of. And so tell it, me, it, out of 126, do we have any that you've uh, set up for bidding wars? There's a few. That yeah, a, I'm seeing, yeah, I'm seeing a few that are successful. Each week we've got bidding wars that are working, but like not the majority, <laughs> like a very small, small amount. Are you seeing bidding wars still, Tom? Uh, I did bidding wars on my last three listings and none of them worked. So moving forward, I'm not going to do it anymore until I see numbers change. 
uh, inventory is piling up and we're just listing at real price. I'm listing at Condo tomorrow. It's going to be a real price. And yeah. uh, so, so, so that's it, the right it, way to do it. Like it's so, but, not, it's not predictable. But are these area driven, like the ones that are working for you guys, TK, or are they because it's like central Toronto or? Well, there's two scenarios. There's, it happened the first try and it happened after it, but it had already been listed at the higher price, right? So the sellers are now like, what's going on? We're asking the price that so-and-so, and then they lower the price and then all of a sudden they get activity and then they sell. And that could be for a price close to their original asking price, or it might be less because that's what the market's saying, right? So there's a lot of scenarios. They're not you all guys... just like first try, you know, hot property kind of thing. We had one that was, we listed slightly lower. I think we had 18 showings in the seven days before the, the offer date, radio silence on offer day. And then next morning we up, we up the price slightly at a, at a real price and an offer within an hour. Right. So everybody so was here's, waiting here's to thing, see Darryl. what happened, right? Here's Everybody's like, thing, oh, let's but... see if they sell it and what the hell happens. And then that's actually yep. a really good strategy. Raise it, scare the people that thought that they were going to lowball, right? But, but you have to understand. So Tom and Tom knows this, there's no way to prove this. Would he had priced the property at that price originally, would he have still got the same attention as if and he would have put it a little bit lower, it up right? Past, right? You obviously got it, 18 showings, but you can't prove it. You don't, you I don't, don't know. know right? And, like, and, and that's, what's tough in a transitioning market with all these three. I did go to the sellers up front and be like, we can test this, but let's go into this with the assumption this doesn't work and we have to go to plan B, but mm -hmm. might as well give it a shot. Cause what if two people really want it and they bid it up? You're going to get more than if I just list at this price. So we learned it didn't work. And now moving forward, I think it's just unless like, but a guy in my office last week had a killer listing in Liberty Village with a 1300 square foot terrace. It got nine offers. Wow. So exactly. Yeah. This is the analogy we used to use is in 2020, if you want your property to sell and be the 25% to 33% of properties that sell every month, it needs to have a wow factor. So in this case, it had a great terrace or a really good floor plan, a sick view, a hard loft. You can go over all the different things, right? If you don't have a wow factor, the wow factor has to be your price. Right. That's how you sell. Right. Um, and the chances of winning a race in the last lap on an F1 race, if you're not in the first three positions, are basically slim to none. So you have to look at your competi competition and go, here's the 10 most comparable. Where would we rank ourselves on this list? And if you're not in the top three, your chances of selling are very low. Yeah. I always say that there's three reasons why something doesn't sell. It's either fugly as hell and a disaster. It's either price or it's a combination of both. Right. Price solves and, everything. Price solves everything. Yeah. If, if you hit one of those, like if you hit the price right, you're going to sell the thing no matter what, especially in the GTA. I think, I think, because there's still a ton of demand, even though people are sitting on the sidelines. Like, isn't there a lot of people that just have to sell and have to move right now that are like, not the majority. No, everybody's I, just sitting there waiting. Everyone. I wonder, like, if you look at the people that either bought in February, like at the peak, and need to sell now or got a HELOC on in February on their property, which is like a slightly concerning aspect of all this. What did they do with that money? Um, what percentage is that? It's right. very low. It's way under 1%. It's point something. So there are going to be a certain portion of people that are in a very tough situation or aren't going to like the sales they see on their street for the next little while. 
but it's a lot smaller than I think we magnify it by, by talking about it so much. And like, we're all in the trenches. We do this. We're up, we're like junkies of this, right? The average Canadian doesn't give a crap until it comes time to buy and sell their house. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they're not yeah. other than our and, listeners. Yeah. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. The listeners <laughs> yeah, are like, they're us. hardcore too. Yeah. yeah they're, they're like us. Okay, good. Yeah. good so, yeah. but, but the, Rising interest rates doesn't matter if you're getting divorced or if someone passes away or if you've got a job transfer. People have to buy and sell. And I looked back because I was interested. I was like, okay, well, what happened in 1989 in the worst we've ever seen, that really sharp drop? 42,000 people in the city of Toronto moved that year. Right. Out so, or just to other houses, you mean? Well, well I've sold, sold transactions. Property. So two, yeah. two people per transaction. Yeah. And, and the population in 1989 was much lower than it was today. And I don't know what immigration was like then and interest rates, but um, people move regardless of market, like people move. Mm-hmm. People and move. that's why I think skilled real estate agents will actually take over more market share than ever in the next little while. But the people that were on the outside or are, are going to find it very tough. What, what about appraisal amounts on listings you sold in the peak? Knock on wood, I haven't had an issue yet. Okay. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you guys a, a funny story. And it, and it speaks to something that Tom, I think, just said. One of you guys just said is, uh, you know, people are not going to be happy seeing the prices that their neighbors sold for. So, so I bought under a year ago. I think we bought last June. And another house just around the corner sold for me. And when I saw the sold price, I was like, fuck like that's not good it was more listen it's more than i paid but it was like it definitely ate away at some of what i thought i had earned already and to be honest like i don't care i'm gonna stay here for a while it doesn't really matter but i got this letter in the mail from the realtor a couple of days ago and it's like this really nice thing and it's it says we did such a great job for our client and it was on the market for, for only a few days and we got this bidding war going and we sold it for top dollar. And, and I was like, none of that happened. It sat for a little while. There was no bidding war at all. They sold it for what I believe still is like under market. And like, I just don't understand it. And I mean, most people, like you're saying, they don't know this. They don't even go do the research. They don't even care. They're not even thinking about this shit, which kind of segues me into my next point, because while going over my daughter's uh, uh, real estate exam uh, uh, summary stuff, there was a section about social media and what the ethics are and the regulations are from uh, Reba and whoever else, uh, governs you guys, Rico, thank you. Um, and I was a little concerned, like, I think there's going to be some people as things get slower and people have less and less to do, and people get more and more jealous of those good realtors or people on TikTok spewing complete and utter garbage nonsense. There, people are going to get into a lot of shit because there is some absolute garbage out there right now like absolute garbage out there and and there's like there's a pair there's rules as to what you're allowed to put when you post a listing or something like that i don't see those on most of the ones that i see how how do you guys feel as like realtors who are obviously you know 
you, you guys obviously have ethics and morals and you guys are nice guys and you, you work hard and it's apparent, right? But there's a lot of scummy bastards out there. There's a lot of people that are desperate to make a living and will do whatever they can to make a living, I think is the, the truth of the matter in any industry, right? And like, you know, TK, you know this and Daryl, you notice if you see it, there's a lot of realtors on Instagram with, you know, 15,000 followers that get 10 likes on each post and you know they just bought it and so perception is a big thing here right um and uh and there's a lot of people that talk like they are just the savior of the market and they know exactly what's going to happen that really have no clue and really no authority and probably sell under five homes a year um and that's okay i'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that with selling five homes a year but just like don't then come out and try and like say that you're a real estate coach and, and you can do all these things. And so, yeah, I think, I think Daryl though, the social media aspect, like the, the print marketing stuff on MLS, that's easier for Rico to track. And I don't think Rico goes out of their way to try to find issues. If there's a complaint made, then they'll look into it. And I think with social, with how active social is and how many posts there are, it's almost impossible to police that unless someone goes and makes complaint about certain posts. So how about, I mean, 70,000 people paying fees every year can afford you like one person that can just be on TikTok all day, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it wouldn't I, take long yeah. to crack down on a few people and send a really good message to the industry. Like, hey, brokers, like maybe you want to reel in your, your, your agents because uh, they're being silly and they're, they're breaking the rules. Yeah. And, and listen, like I've put stuff out to Twitter and people are like, well, you know, you're not supposed to rely on your realtor for that. And I'm like, well, but they're offering it out there for free on mass. Right. So like, which is it? Can we rely on realtors for this? Should we rely on realtors for this? Do they want to be relied on for this? You know, not that I'm giving, giving them any pass here, but I will say people that are newer in the industry in, in the way that the world of real estate works now where all the information is public and we don't really have much that we know on our own anymore, okay? And the, the older generation realtors don't need to do social because they have their book of business, they have their trust, their clients. These new people coming in, even if they're good, how do they get a seat at the kitchen table? How do they get an opportunity to meet a client? And, and they think this is the only way to do it what I think they, they don't realize is that most of the people that consume their content are probably just other realtors anyways. So that's not actually going to grow their business. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I've recognized for me, it's like we have an Instagram following of like just over 10,000 followers, 7,000 of them are realtors. And when I make content on Instagram, I'm speaking to realtors because we get a lot of inbound referral business from other markets. Right. Um, but when I make YouTube videos, I'm speaking to the consumer and those 5,500 people that follow us on YouTube mostly are potential buyers and sellers. So I just switch it slightly. Your mic that, just went mental there. Your, your, your exposure is much better. I'd rather have 7,000, 10,000 followers, 7,000 of them be realtors and 3,000 consumers than 3,000 realtors, 7,000 consumers, because each one of those realtors has clients. Right. And you know, your clients are hiring you to expose their properties. So now you're going out there, your brand, your website, your 
listings or marketing is now not just going out to 7,000 consumers. It's going to 7,000 agents and all their buyers. Yep. And, and that's massive. And yeah. teams and their networks because yeah. everybody needs to sell something badly now. There's right? an incentive for that person to take that information and bring it to the right person because they get paid a commission. And TK, I don't know if you've noticed, but the amount of daily emails I get that I'm put on some other agent's email list, I have no clue who they are. Where do they, how do they get my listings. email? I don't know. How, how are they emailing me? It's like I'm on a list somewhere and we're I just getting our information every day. Like I don't, I'm, I'm getting 10, 15 in that area. Just listed emails from people. I have yeah. no clue who they are. I'm like, okay, I get, I'm like, if we find it on MLS, I'll ask you questions. But like, I, I don't. Uh, I, saw one, I saw one email today that, that took the cake. It was a development and like the Cayman Islands or something. And it was like 0% deposits, 0% downs. Like just, just, we'll just, just sign this paper and start making the monthly payments and we'll give it to you. Right. And it's like, Oh my God. I saw one that I respected this weekend. It's in the, in the subject was, are you at the cottage this weekend? Question mark. Send your clients to our open house. <laughs> and I was like, nice. you know what? That's, a good, oh that's actually fun. Yeah, I, most- I, I got an email today about a pre-con project that was like, hurry up, they're selling out fast. This is your last chance. And I was like, that's not normal. Like they should already have sold out by now. Right. Right. Like this is not typical. I also saw actually it was on a project that I, I had sold the property uh, to another developer and they had launched and uh, it had gone slower than expected. And then the next thing I saw was uh, a rental guarantee come, come through the email. And anytime you have to rent, I rent, you have to add a rental guarantee, you know that the, that the project is not selling as fast yep. as you would like. Right. Which, I mean, yep. I can't even understand a rental guarantee to begin with, but I mean, speaking, speaking to like being on lists, I can't even like, I have no idea where all these people got my info from, but I must get like 50 emails a day for pre-construction projects across the country from people that are not platinum agents. Like they are not platinum agents. I think there must, there must be, there must be some sort of like MailChimp or, whatever in the fine print it probably says by inputting these emails you give the ownership over to the the crm or, or whatever the system is right there must be something in there because literally these are not uh, the way that i'm getting them it's like i'm on a list somewhere that someone's oh, yeah. bought somebody's yeah. been reselling. someone's going yeah. through treb because i get them and like my trade name is like tom clark story my middle yeah. name got stuck in there and like, cause I'm, my name's Thomas, right? But I was like, oh, let's just make it Tom. That's easy. Just Tom's story. And then the Clark got stuck in there. And when yeah. I get these emails, it says, hi, Tom Clark. So right. they've somehow through Trevor, I don't know, got away. They know you super well. They know you super well. So one thing we haven't touched on somehow is like, we didn't even talk about rate hikes. We're almost mm-hmm. done. We didn't talk about the, the rate are, hikes. The rates are up. We're not almost uh, done. We got lots of time. We do? 12.15. Oh, yeah, we do. I forgot. We I mean, a little later than normal. The... I guess at this point we're we're so used we we knew this was coming that it's it's less news now than it used to be. You know the one thing I haven't heard people discuss is and I said this in my last video also is like okay we're at 1.50 now pre-pandemic we were at 1.75 which as we all know that only affects variable. But pre-pandemic the fixed rate wasn't 4.5% it was 3% or 3.5%. That's different. So you can't just say, oh, we're just back to where we were. 
because we only are with variable. Like the fixed rate is a lot higher than it was previously. And the main guy that helps me with my mortgage stuff with our clients, he's like early 40s. And he's like, when I talk to people under my age, I'm so nervous to tell them what the fixed rate is, the five-year fixed. But he's like, when I talk to people older than me, they, they just go, okay, that sounds good. Mm, right. What, what is it right now? Is it over five? I don't know. No, I hope it's I not over. So. It's still, it's still so. trending somewhere close to four. And I think it's, it's going to go up a little bit soon. But um, I was reading something this morning where they were talking about the like variable rates going higher than fixed rates. Maybe right? for because a of period that. of time. Right. And, and they were talking about like, uh, you know, based on the bond market and, and based on the overnight rates, that variable, variable rate could get to 4.9 and then fixed rates would only be at uh, four and a half. And this would be if they got to somewhere above neutral, which would be about three or three and a half percent overnight rate. Right. You know, so I, I don't I'm not a rate expert or bond market expert to tell you why the fixed rates wouldn't climb up any further and, and why the market wouldn't push it up. Um, but to me, I, I think that that's, that's not, that's not like what's going to happen. I think the rates are going to go up higher than four and a half percent. I think the fixed rate needs to come up at least to, to 5%, at least to 6%. I mean, stress test has been preparing us for it five and a quarter, maybe something like that. Like actually get to that point where people can start to cool their spending. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of this, right? I'm not saying that everybody should be refinancing and, uh, putting themselves in jeopardy, but. I think we got to get to that point where people are stopped spending the money on real estate and other durable goods. I just don't understand why anybody in their right mind for whatever reason would all of a sudden think that they're going to do things differently than they've been doing. Like, are we not going to just keep pumping money into the system and figuring out ways to reduce the payments? Are we not going to up the CMHC to that 1.25 million dollar level? Are we not going to, you know, change the amortization periods to 40, 50 years, 80 years? What I mean, it seems like, but I'm. It sounds funny, but like if you look at history of well, houses, cars, uh, fridges, like there's just creative ways of financing these things that are changing, right? It, to keep up with the crazy price increases and the low wages. I heard something yesterday, and I don't know if this is going to be true or not, that they might actually adjust the stress test based on where the, the rates are at now, where it might be, because you know how it was 5.25 or two points higher? Yeah. They might switch that to just one point higher instead of two so points Os higher. Os Osfi just said, we are they're supposed to at the end of every year review yeah. the policy and basically they've come out and said we're considering this is how the government talks right we're considering reviewing the policy earlier than december right so it's just one of those things so now the speculation is do they remove it do they drop it down to one would they would they get rid of it altogether or, or, or whatnot so um yeah i think that makes sense right i mean imagine if the interest rates go up and then all of a sudden people have to qualify at an even higher point i mean that's uh yeah Kind of that this point. The whole point was because rates were low. And, and what do we think? Uh, do we see a 75 basis point raise hike uh, in next month's meeting? This is the uh, word on the street. This is, I feel like I'm being. <laughs> that was the word on the street last month. What's going on? Well, but the word on the street last month was. I don't trust for... the street, Daryl. Do you we even are the, the street. On the street. We, are, we the street. are the street, damn it. <laughs> hey. Do you think Bank of Canada even really knows today what they're going to do on July? Do you no, think they know? Because they also said rates weren't moving till end of 2023. Right. That was their initial. 
Yeah. Oh, Borrow all now. you need to go out, spend your money, go and buy it. Take that HELOC out and go and buy an investment property in Timmins. What Wasn't, could go wrong? And inflation was uh, transitory in February. Mm-hmm. And now That's all of a sudden good. it's like, uh, oh my God, we got to tame the, the two-headed beast, the dragon here. Um, but it sounds like they're going to get super aggressive. I mean, I, I, I haven't lived through an inflationary period either. So I have no idea what to expect. I feel like I know now from my experience, the, the, what I learned is like, if I feel like the wind has shifted, then it probably has shifted. If I feel like it's shifting, then it's probably shifting. And worst case, I'm wrong, but I'm safe, right? Mm-hmm. Where I left myself completely exposed in 2009 and got completely decimated. Even though I heard the rumblings and I, I felt it, I was stupid and young and thought that it could still just keep going up, 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 up. But inflation, from what I gather, is a whole other monster. And like we have uh, a pandemic we haven't seen in 100 years. We have a war in Europe we haven't seen in 70 years. And we have inflation running hot that we haven't seen in 40 years, all happening right now. So, (laughs) I mean, who the hell could figure out what the heck is going to happen next? And like you're saying, the Bank of Canada doesn't know what they're doing next. Um, I'm pretty sure that the government doesn't have a goddamn clue about anything. So like, like, and, which, and we've, which YouTube well, channel do you got to watch to find no, the answer? 70,000 realtors, most of which are not really realtors, or they're like super old, or they're like super young, like very few people, even the older people didn't really go through a full, like, how old do you have to be to have gone through as an adult Se- this inflation, 70. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like, everybody is just, you know, spewing what they heard, what they think makes sense. And there's too many factors now. So, so what do you think this thing looks like in six months from now, Tom? Well, I think it depends on what market we're talking about. Um, this might sound biased because I sell in Toronto. I look at the basic fundamentals of Toronto, the amount of money pumped into the city, who owns what, where they're at. I, I think prices will continue to go down, but I, I think actually once we know what rates are going to be and we're settled for a month, the, the market could get back to transactions being to what we were expected, but the prices aren't going to be what they were earlier in the year. Um, I think like, listen, these outer markets saw 10 years of growth in two years. You double in price in two years. Like, what do you think is going to happen if if rates go up? There's going to be there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some pain. So, you know, I I asked this in my last video. I was like, okay, you walk into a casino with a thousand bucks, you put it all on red, you double your money, but then you lose some money and you leave with sixteen hundred. What did you make six hundred bucks, or did you lose four hundred? Because that's what people are going to have to think. And like Daryl, you just talked about the house you saw sold on your street. You're like, okay, fine but I would have liked it to be in this, but you're still up from where you bought, right? Yeah, so I think- a good, That's a good analogy that you used. Well, until the next sale, because who the hell knows, <laughs> what, right? Yeah. But it, it's crazy. Like in my area, I bought for, for X, okay? And then uh, in February, March, a, a semi sold for 100,000 less than my single family house, okay? Like hmm. I was like, wow, oh, what the hell is my house worth now? This is fantastic. Maybe I should get a HELOC. And 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I was like, this is this is amazing. Like, holy cow, right? And then the house around the corner that very comparable sold for a hundred thousand more. And I was like, damn, right? That's not enough. It's not enough, but still up. But the next one, I'm 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 a little nervous. But I, I don't know. I look at this like a moment in time. And if you're gonna make long-term decisions based on a short-term thing, I think that's foolish. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what we have to look at. And the difference between the amateur investor and the person that's in this for the long haul, you're going to find out pretty quick. For sure. But listen, I'll tell you, I mean, I'm fairly seasoned. I don't like it. Okay. I get it. And I'm willing to stay here. If this thing crashes to whatever, and I got to stay here for the rest of my life. That was the decision we made when we bought the house. Sure. But it's really nice when the value of your assets goes up. Right. And of you course. can tell that it's going up. And when it goes down, it is like not a good feeling. So you know, I don't that's care a who good, you that's are. a good that's a good thing to mention, though. Right. So why has the economy been running hot? Why do we have inflationary pressures? A lot of it has to do with the value of everybody's assets going up. Now everyone feels rich. They say, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to go spend money on food. I'm going to go do all these things. And so the sentiment amongst not even just housing people, just they don't, they don't have to be in the market, but because they own real estate. They're like, yeah, I'm going to give my kids money so that they can buy. I'm going to go and, you know, do something, you know, renovations. Like they're out there spending money because they feel rich. And now people are going to start like you, Daryl, getting a flyer in their mailbox, telling them how great their neighbor did. But they're going to look at that price and say, whoa, that's not what I expected. And then they tighten up. They stop. No, and not only that, I get like flyers <laughs> from Colliers now in the mail for development sites. Like I've never seen that. Well, they must before. be really desperate. <laughs> well, I'll tell right? you something though. I send flyers as part of my business plan. We hit about 10,000 condos downtown and it's a huge source of business for me. And, and I started and, and moving forward here, as things are going to slow down, I'm going to pump it up. I'm going to double my spending. Because this is the opportunity a lot of people 100%. are going to stop. And yeah. with everybody else being crowded online and everyone has a voice, even if you have a following, you're still competing with all these other people. Show up in yeah. their mailbox because no one Dar else is Dar doing Darryl's, it. Daryl's flyer, flyer there is, is mailed addressed to you. That's not unaddressed ad mail. No. I mean, it but came to me for sure because... I mean, it, it came from Jeremiah. We, I, everybody knows Jeremiah. Okay. Okay. It came from Jeremiah. I've been working with Jeremiah for it's years. You, yeah, I got it. On a, what Tom's talking about is unaddressed ad mail, which is yeah. how he's, you know, oh, promoting yeah, no, definitely addressed. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. sent to me specifically, but yeah. it's not normal. This is not the normal course for the last since I've been working with him. Right. Mm -hmm. So, what does that mean? They need, they're, they're doubling down just like you. They're smart. This is what you do. People that cut back their marketing dollars in a downturn are so foolish, mm -hmm. but I, I mean, I don't blame them. Listen, gas prices. I posted something on Twitter yesterday. I was like, bro, what's going on? It's like 240. This is insane. 246 or something. Right. So gas is going up. I, I haven't, I don't even want to look at my hydro bills right now with all the air conditioning that we're using lately. My water bills, like I, I don't need my food bills. Like when my wife comes home from shopping and she tells me how much she spent, which I don't know why she has to do this to me all the time, but she tells me what she spent. And I look in the fridge. I'm like, what's to eat? There's nothing <laughs> eaten here. Like what the hell did you spend all this money on? Where did and, it all go? 
where it didn't go anywhere. It never got to the house. Just the dollars left the house. But but so if everybody is dealing with this, right, and you are a newer realtor and you're struggling and you, you don't have the income that you would like, or you have very sporadic income like most realtors have, you got to cut. So what makes sense to cut to like uh, some of these uh, well-trained professionals is to cut wherever you can, right? But they're, they're missing the point. Like marketing is the thing you, like you said, double down. It's, it's my whole thing. Whenever I speak to groups of realtors, my favorite analogy is the visibility beats ability. So you have to be exceptionally good at what you do, but it doesn't matter unless people know who you are. How much could, how much does Frank spend on marketing? For right. Sense? And, and, yeah. and like, like TK, your team does a ton of transactions. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody. Every, and, yeah. and whatever side of the fence you stand on it, the million dollar marketing system, that is great marketing. It's great. And you have to be an exceptional realtor. You have to be a great marketer because if you don't get a seat at the kitchen table, it doesn't matter how good you are at what you do. The real real estate agents are marketing firms, right? Yeah. Like think about if we took our system or our marketing and we decided to go into driveway ceiling or yeah. uh, window cleaning, you know, Roofing. it would be it would be the number one oh. company in Toronto because the marketing. So yeah, a real estate agent's a marketing firm. So if your agent's not marketing, then you really have to question, you know, are they really a realtor or not? Right. And and in those for those newer realtors, it's like they have they have time, but they don't have money. And that's why they do TikTok posts or or like, you know, social stuff. But then you get to a point in your career where you don't have as much time, but you have more money to spend on marketing where you can afford to do the flyers or, or whatever it is. Right. Sure. Mm -hmm. But not everyone is there. And I couldn't I, afford to do flyers until like three and a half years into my career because I was focused on the database first until sure, trying yeah. before trying to hunt new business. Imagine how up, many I was printing up eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper, knocking on doors going around because there was no like, you know, glossy flyer availability for me. And it was just right. like, all right, let's go around. And like, I've, I've written like a little report or newsletter or something and I'm going around passing it around. Like that's, yeah, you gotta start. That's what you money. gotta do. Well, uh, so imagine how many people uh, like the people you're describing that have time, but no money and they're on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or whatever. And it backfires on them because they said something stupid or they said something that somebody didn't like. I mean, we put ourselves out there. I'm getting destroyed left, right, and center, <laughs> right? One person loves me. The next person tells me I'm a help, clown. Help next thing I know, tell, I'm a tell racist. Tell them that's the internet, and there's no way to avoid it. So I've I'm got, sure you've had your I've got some advice. No, but what though. I'm saying is imagine these young realtors who go, and then next thing you know, they're in like one of these racist storms, and they're getting attacked <laughs> by everybody. And like, holy, like you, I'm 46. I, mean, I can handle a little beating. But some of these guys, man, it's over. Dale, you you probably noticed, like, I don't post on Twitter anymore because that's not worth my mental health. It's just not a platform I'm interested in. That, that's why TK won't join because he's really it's, smart. It's not worth it. And there's only a few people that, and you got to give da, uh, Naz, Nazma and Daniel credit because they know how to toe the line. They're very, they're great marketers. Oh, and, great. And, and they've won over even the critics on that platform, but most realtors can't. And I recognize, I can say the same thing on YouTube, Instagram, but if I say it on Twitter, I'm attacked. And I just realized like that's <laughs> not a, 
I have no interest in being there. And cause it didn't produce bit. It's not a place to go find business. It's a, it's a place to go if you really enjoy it. But um, yeah, I mean, Twitter's the, the worst of them I'd say. I'll tell you, it's a hell of a lot of fun. If you're yes. a little bit of a scrapper. And you have a little bit of uh, 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 anger that you want to throw out there. No, but you know what? All joking aside, Twitter, if you can muddle through all the, the horse shit, which there is mm. a ton of, I mean, I imagine that the people that you just named have got business from 100% there. Um, but it is a great networking tool. But uh, you and TK are definitely much smarter than, than I am because it is, it is not easy on some days. That's for sure. Um, what else did I want to ask you? What about open houses, guys? What's going on with open houses? Like I see Nasma, uh, she put a post saying something like, if you get one showing a week, you're ahead. Yeah. So you're going to see a lot more open houses because realtors that don't know how to show value to their clients think that the only way to show value is to say that they're doing an open house every weekend. And I have a different perspective on open houses than a lot of the industry where I don't think open houses are necessary anymore if you price correctly. And private viewings is what you should be going after. Now, I most people disagree with me on this. Why do agents do open houses, Tom? To show the sellers they're doing something. What else, though? Why, why oh, would they recommend they Because it it's great marketing. I get free marketing in your neighborhood all weekend long. I get to meet all your neighbors who become sellers or are potential buyers. It is a massive lead generation tool. But the reality neighbors. is most open, most open houses are run by brand new agents. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like. There's skill- something completely wrong well, okay. with that. Okay, hold on okay. a second. Listen, when I. When I, when I watch some of these realtors go through my house to sell it and they don't know any of the features in the house, it's like mind boggling. When, when, when you go into a house with a realtor who's never been in the house, with a, they get in with a lockbox, they get the feature sheet and they're learning the house with you on the fly, that is a real problem. And then when the person that's sitting in the open house, they don't know the answer to anything. It's like, can you just sign here for me, please? Uh, Sore, you can't come in unless you sign this. Hold on, me, that please. phone number ah! only has six digits. What's going on? Right? <laughs> where's, but, where's the seventh digit of your phone number? I need that. I can't let you in. Otherwise, you know, this, I feel unsafe. Does this washroom have heated floors? Uh, uh, hold on one sec. TK, is there heated floors in this thing? Yeah, there's heated floors. I, I think a highly skilled realtor doing an open house on their own listing that can inform the people that come in what's so great about the house is a marketing tool that can benefit the seller. But that is not typically what can happens. It, can it benefit the buyer? I mean, there yeah, is of course two it can. Yeah, of it's course. Like if, if you or TK was in the open house, that house is getting sold on that first day, maybe within the first few people. But people send the, that is the not young true guy. For any of my clients listening to this uh, <laughs> podcast, that's not how open houses work. And uh, But carry on, Daryl. From a, from a consumer perspective, a educated, good agent sitting, doesn't have to be you, but like the underling that sits there to get the list and that's the person that's there. Please make make sure you take off your shoes and uh, here here take this. Here's the flyer. But isn't it better this way though, Daryl? Because what you just said, I'll give you the counterpoint. Isn't it better that those same buyers who only know about your open house because they're in the area, they saw the sign on the lawn or the sign on the corner or whatever. Wouldn't it be better that they said, "Hey, 
I want to come and see the property because we're really interested. Can I set up a private showing where then you, you as the agent can take them through? Then you can call the seller and say, is this time convenient for you? And it's going to be a fixed time from this time to this time where you can leave and you can control the environment and make sure that everything's set up and that these people aren't snooping around your belongings and that they're not yeah. just nosy neighbors and that you're leaving the house for a legitimate reason. And then you can show them the property like a good agent should and make sure that they know about all the features of the home. I'll argue against myself just to give a counterpart to what I said, because this is the Canadian real estate show. So a lot of agents in Vancouver or outside markets there, they like list on a, on a Tuesday or Thursday, and then like they do all their showings at the open house. So it's like they have an open so that all the showings come through. And I guess you could argue, well, if 10 people come through that day and they all see each other, it creates demand. They think, oh, I want what I can't have. And maybe that benefits the seller. So like there's a place for open houses and they will never stop because they are magnificent marketing tools for real estate agents. But what I do hate is seeing the open house signs up all week. And I have a feeling that those are coming back. I've started to see them. Yeah. You're only supposed to have them during the time the open house is open, Daryl. That's the bylaws in most municipalities. And so now people are just putting up buy, sell, invest signs on the corner where there is no open house. It's just like they don't want to pay for add streetscaping so they put they put a sign up themselves illegally really? that's a pet peeve i yeah. think that's the only pet peeve i have in real estate There's a, as far as the marketing goes i mean i'm, I'm not the jury and the, and the executioner i've seen some pretty crazy open house signs with like like just some crazy big displays and balloons and like guys are making some pretty nutty signs out there these days I've actually got a buddy out in that sells in like Markham, Stouffville, Unionville, Ralph Ciencio, who you guys should have on. He runs a Ralph, great yeah, team. Yeah. 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 Love Ralph. He's a good buddy of mine. He before COVID, because I don't know what he's doing now, but he used to run like mega open houses where you go in, there was a vibe, there was like pizza, you you leave with a little loot bag, like you you were you felt special. Million dollar and, listing, like those guys do it, like uh, and, Frederick. And again, you know, but that. I could argue that is beneficial because the buyer goes in and goes, you know what? I went to three open houses today. The way that house made me feel the he even talks about the music he plays, how it's all like Michael Blue Bay, like home or like a, a song that has something to do with the just the vibe. Maybe that benefits the seller. I don't know. I still think 95% of marketing in real estate is, is price, but that last 5%, maybe you could argue that that's the open house as well. Well, listen, in, in this new kind of world we live in, that extra, that 5% is going to be the difference maker. Yeah. Right? Because everybody, you know, can put the price or a low price or the right price if they do their job. But that 5%, a lot of people are just not willing to do. Gentlemen? The, uh, oh, last cool thing. Just yeah. people, I found this out this morning. On Instagram, you can now pin posts oh. to the top of your profile. So one thing we're going to talk to with our sellers about as our inventory builds up here, Hey, you'll be one of the three pin posts at the top of our Instagram. So it doesn't slide down with new posts. So your yeah. listing will be there until we sell it. And that's a marketing advantage because we have followers are that are in the industry. That's a cool where, where can people find you, Tom? Uh, at the story team story spelled S T R E Y on Instagram. Um, or on YouTube, just Tom story. And then I've got the podcast starting as well. Is there a name for that? Oh yeah, the Tom Story Show. Starting, <laughs> yeah. starting. Genius. Uh, That's it. Perfect. That is marketing amazing. and branding. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Once again, thank you for joining us, Mr. Thanks, TK. Guys. Always a pleasure. Likewise, everybody. Sayonara. 
This episode is brought to you by Landlord. This landlord software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in, you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and, and tax bills and everything else, they're going to actually give you recommendations on how to make your portfolio more efficient and it just breaks everything down for me in a way that I've never seen before like Excel spreadsheets just don't cut it I don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors and it's free please click the link below for your free trial offer new on curiosity street uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters from the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early americas it's ancient engineering plus 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster see how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks watch now on curiosity stream annual plans are twenty dollars just a dollar 67 a month visit curiositystream.com